The nail in the coffin! Hey everybody, welcome to The Nail. I'm Tom Valentino, and as you've heard by now, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. is on his way to the Browns at a blockbuster trade. I was able to track down Pat Leonard, the Giants beat writer for the New York Daily News, who wrote a great story about the deal last night, and we chatted for a few minutes today. I'll post a link to that story in the show notes for this episode. In the meantime, here's our conversation. Pat, thanks for taking the time. As you can imagine, people here in Cleveland are going crazy over this news. I saw some fans on Twitter last night saying they were ready to tailgate in the Muni lot across from uh, First Energy Stadium this morning. But I found over the years that a surprisingly good way to gauge a trade is to see how fans from the other team feel about their player they're losing. So to that end, what have you heard from your readers there? And what has the mood in New York been since this news of the trade broke last night? Well, it's always a mixed bag with Odell and Giants fans. You know, the reaction now, there's some people who say good riddance and they never thought he was a true Giant to begin with and he was too immature, et cetera. But the vocal majority at the moment are angry that Dave Gettleman, the general manager, would let such a transcendent talent leave, especially for a trade return that is a lot less than what he promised he would get if he ever did trade number 13. Um, but it is close to his initial asking price going back to last spring with the Rams and those talks. Uh, but the bottom line is this, the Giants are headed in one direction, the Browns are headed in another, and Giants fans know that Odell is going to a place where he is a good fit with Jarvis Landry, who's basically his brother, and Adam Henry, uh, his mentor and former coach at LSU and the Giants. So the Browns have their stud quarterback, their young stud franchise quarterback, and Beckham, and the Giants are stuck with a 38-year-old Eli Manning, and no idea what the future holds. You know, I saw that, uh, you know, Gettleman had said, you know, we didn't sign him to trade him, referring to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Have you gotten the feeling in recent weeks they have been actively shopping him, and were there other teams besides the Browns in the mix? Because we did hear for a few weeks now here in Cleveland that that the Browns were after him, and it just kind of felt to me like one of those things like, yeah, hey, that'd be awesome to bring in OBJ, but I'll believe it when I see it. Right. Well, the Giants, basically, ever, ever since it got out last year that they, were ta- that they were willing to talk about it, teams have called. So last year, you know, the Niners and the Patriots, they're checking in. And then at the trade deadline, there were teams that reportedly called them too, and the Giants answered. So, you know, it's like if you have a, a beautiful car for sale and everybody in town knows it, you don't necessarily have to quote unquote go and shop it because everyone will come to your store. And so that was kind of the situation with the Giants. They were picking up the phone and listening. And the more conversations they had, the more people realized that they actually were serious about likely doing it. Um, And so the Browns obviously became the most aggressive team at the end. They had the need. Um, It it didn't look like they had the assets that they had last year when they had the three first-round picks for sure, but they were still able to make it work because, of course, they've turned on a dime here with how John Dorsey has managed things. Um, and it came together, you know, I to say it came together quickly would be to say as if like this came out of nowhere and it didn't, I mean, Beckham was aware that his name was out there in trade talks and he was waking up every day wondering whether he would be on the giants that morning, you know, when he went to his workout 
And so now he goes to his workouts wearing brown and orange instead of uh, blue, red, and white. And he's on a new team and in a better situation. All right, so we've seen the highlight reel catches. Um, and obviously, you know, he's a fun player. He's an exciting player. But, you know, this is somebody you've been around in the day-to-day. Uh, besides those home run plays, what do we need to know about Odell Beckham Jr. as he uh, arrives in Cleveland? Well, he's a hard worker. Like, everybody saw those clips going running around of uh, John Gruden talking about how Antonio Brown is, like, the model and example for every receiver out there as far as how hard he works. Beckham is right there with Brown. You know, I think a lot of people assume that he's just such an athletic freak. He just walked out and does it. And even though sometimes it looks like that in practice, I can promise you um, this guy puts in as much more work than anybody. And that is why he is up there among the top. Um, You know, it's funny. He is known for his hands, of course, for that one-handed catch. And, you know, like you said, he makes the big plays. But the thing I always try to tell people about Odell from watching him is he can turn anything into a touchdown. And so I'm not just talking about throwing the ball downfield. He is the kind of player who, if he gets an inch, he takes 99 yards. Um, and his breakaway speed and ability and, and uh, his quickness and his kind of video game-like uh, elusiveness is what makes him, to me, on a, on a down-to-down basis so special. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty excited about uh, getting to play with Odell Beckham on uh, Madden this year, since you're talking video games. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, uh, you know, there's been some talk that he's rubbed some people in the Giants organization the wrong way, you know, among other things. I know there was that interview he did last October where, for all intents and purposes, he pretty much threw Eli Manning under the bus. Uh, should Browns fans have concerns here if things get off to a bumpy start, uh, start or is that stuff overblown? Um, I think it's very, well, it's very true that his behavior at many different points, you know, uh, frustrated the Giants at at times or oftentimes Odell knew what he was doing. If he was doing something that it was against the Giants wishes, Uh, you know, we had the boat trip uh, was a terrible, terrible decision ahead of their playoff game a couple of years ago, but enabled, of course, by. Ben McAdoo, which was a byproduct of Tom Coughlin enabling Odell's flip out on the field against Josh Norman um, the year before. So there have been plenty of issues. You know, he lifted his leg in the end zone in Philadelphia. That really ticked John Mara off, uh, and the fans didn't like that either. Um, And then this past year, after the video in France last spring, that really led to kind of the Giants taking calls on him before they signed him to the long-term deal. Um, they re-sign him and Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman bring him back into the fold and Beckham has behaved the entire rest of the offseason. But after re-signing, uh, they played a few games and Eli Manning wasn't playing well and the team wasn't ready to win. And Beckham did that interview on ESPN and that kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, followed by at the end of the year when he got hurt, there was a kind of a tug of war between him and Pat Shermer over how to manage his quad injury at the end of the year. So all the signs were there that even though he was a great talent and even though the Giants tried to tolerate a lot of what you knew was bothering them, in the end, it was just too much for them um, as an organization. But while I understand those feelings, I can't understand how they can prioritize and value Eli Manning at this point in his career over Beckham. Uh, Because frankly, what Beckham said in that ESPN interview 
his team wasn't good enough and his quarterback couldn't get it done and that he wasn't happy in New York. It was really all true. He was right on the mark. Whether he should have said it or not is one thing, uh, but he wants to win. And so how will he fare in Cleveland? The answer is if they win, he will fit perfectly. Well, that's the thing. I, I think he's coming into a pretty different situation from what he's leaving. You know, the Browns suddenly have a pretty interesting group of skill guys. You got Nick Chubb, I, you know, Duke Johnson's still here. Kareem Hunt just got signed. Uh, Jarvis Landry, who we know uh, is tight with OBJ, he's here. And, of course, you got Baker Mayfield. How do you see uh, OBJ uh, fitting in with that group? And, you know, more to the point, just from your perspective in New York, um, you look at the Browns and, you know, historically what they've been over the last 20 years, how is the perception of this organization changing uh, nationally, uh, especially within like the last six months or so? Well, schematically, um, Odell is going to fit beautifully because of just the sheer idea that Jarvis Landry and David Njoku and the running backs you mentioned are going to attract attention away from him. Like in New York, it got to the point where anytime he was lined up, wherever he was on the field, you knew that a double team was coming. You knew extra attention was coming. Um, and it was hard to get him open if the team was paying that much attention to him, considering also what Eli Manning was able to do to get him the ball. Now, Pat Shermer schemed things well, and his coaching staff did a good job kind of moving Odell around and putting him in positions last year at points. Uh, but just the idea of having so many weapons and a quarterback – um, who is going to get things done, is going to extend plays. That's where you're going to see some really special plays this year on the Browns, is when Mayfield, if the play breaks down and then he improvises, wait till you see what Odell does on these plays as far as getting open, you know, taking that extra step to push downfield, even though that's not what the route is because he sees a hole and improvising. I think you're really going to see some kind of special chemistry. And to answer your other uh, question on the Browns and their direction and perception of them, I think the bottom line is everyone can see what John Dorsey did drafting Patrick Mahomes in Cleveland or in Kansas City. Everyone sees how quickly he has made some big moves uh, for the Browns and turned them around quickly, and they throw their uh, support behind Freddie Kitchens. Now, I, for one, do not support the signing of Kareem Hunt. You know, uh, that, is, that is not something I would stand behind if I were covering the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but it's not like guys, people don't deserve second chances either. But that is a, that is a touchy issue, especially with the Giants to hear uh, with Josh Brown, um, the kicker. And so, you know, the Browns are taking a risk there. And they are taking a risk in kind of putting a lot of different personalities together. Uh, but the outside perception is this. John Dorsey knows talent. And the Cleveland Browns have the right general manager, it would seem, for build, building a competitive team. And so I think the bottom line is that is what the perception is of the Browns, that Dorsey is for real, and therefore Mayfield is for real, and therefore the team is for real. Well, we got a lot of reasons to be excited. And, Pat, I uh, really appreciate you making some time uh, for us today. Uh, thanks a lot, man. This has been awesome. You got it, Tom. Take care and enjoy OBJ. <laughs> Will do. Thanks a lot. All right, there you go. Huge thanks to Pat Leonard for taking the time to talk OBJ on the nail. 
You can read Pat's coverage on the New York Daily News website. And again, a link to his story is in the notes for this episode of the pod. As for the nail, we're actually coming back with another episode tomorrow. The Mac tournament is tipping off at the queue. And we've got Jason Arkley of the Athens Messenger back on the show to get us ready. In the meantime, you can subscribe to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can also stream us on waitingfornextyear.com. That'll do it for this episode. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.